ora, koa and O'Brien tuku ingoa, he kaurungi o Waituhi o Tamaki, no mai haere mai. I'm Anne O'Brien, Director of the Auckland Writers' Festival, Waituhi o Tamaki, and you're listening to a session podcast from our 2022 event. We hope you enjoy it. The Disruptors, Na Ika Hai Hai Kupenga, part of the Arakea Aokea series curated by Moana Maniopoto and supported by Te Tauraferi i Māori, the Māori Language Commission. Meet the Disruptors, Māori journalists helping to lead and shape more nuanced conversation on the issues of the day through a Māori lens. Exploring questions of media power and influence, our lineup includes longtime Radio Wātea host and air tangata writer Dale Husband, alongside three fearless wahine broadcasters and writers. Mihi Narangi Forbes, the award-winning host of The Hui, boasted Best Current Affairs at the NZTV Awards. Author and co-presenter for TVNZ's bilingual current affairs show Mirai Miriama Kamal and Moana Maniopoto, musician and journalist for Te Ao with Moana. Expect lively kōrero and perhaps a waiata. Kia ta whakatere i te waka, kai pari pari a e te tai. Ka amo nene hui te kura, ka whakamaro te atu. Ka whakaoki mai ki, te kapu a whakapipi. A ko te mea tuatahi, kei te mihi atu a hau ki a koutou o Ngāti Whātua. E hono re nui, tēnei kia mātou, ki te noho, ki te kōrero, ki te tū, kei mui a koutou, kei rungi i tō koutou whenua. Uh, huri atu au ki ngā kaiwhakahaere o tēnei um, huihuinga, um, tino pai, tino pai. Um, e ko um, kei te tino mihi atu mātou ki a koutou, ko, ko tai mai nei i tēnei pō. Um, Ko tongariro te maunga, ko taupo te moana, ko tūwhare tō te iwi, ko te heohio te tangata, ko moana manipoto ahau. I just really like to welcome you all here tonight and I'm very grateful that you've joined us because you like to hang out with a bunch of disruptors. That's what we're all about. The way I look at it is if you're not being disruptive, you're no bloody use to anyone, okay? <laughs> Gotta get off the fence because it's too crowded. You know what I mean? Uh, so tonight, I brought together three friends who jumped at the chance, no, thank you, I owe you guys, um, to talk about journalism and writing. We will touch on writing. Um, but I'd like to introduce you to, um, oh, before that, before that, I'm going to say to you, I just, I always just bring this along because it could be useful, um, is that I'm going to have a conversation like we would do if we were sitting in Muriwai Beach in my whare, going to have a gas bag about journalism and stuff, being Māori, because we're quite good on all those things, eh? Yeah. And, and then at the end, I will invite you to, answer, to ask some questions. Now, I just warn you that this week I interviewed this new Speaker of the House, Adrian Rudafe, who um, gave me some lessons on being firm but fair and how to eject annoying people out of the room. <laughs> Um, and so a question is a question. We know about questions. They're not statements. I'm just saying, okay? So that's it. So just make sure that your phone is off. Um, and yeah, okay, I'm gonna, this is my second session today. So I'm a little bit flustered. I've got these flash people on stage. Oh, okay, report they say, don't hog the time. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, just check that your phones are off. Thank you. Um, and yeah, okay. So I'd like to. Um, I suppose I was really keen to hold this session because I've only been in journalism for a short time, and one of the things that has been imprinted on my brain is that the role of journalists when they deliver their stories is to be fair, balanced, and accurate. And I'm always interested in the tension, given society is not exactly fair and is pretty unbalanced, particularly when it comes to representation in the media. And we're in a time now where it's uncannily inaccurate. So we have a few challenges on the table, particularly for Māori journalists. So I want to introduce you to three people who I believe are disruptives. Uh, and that's fabulous. Some places you can get locked up for that, but you were lucky here. So, Mihinga um, Rangi Forbes won Best Māori Affairs Reporter at Current Affairs at the Voyager Media Awards. She's absolutely fabulous. She's intelligent and gorgeous and everything, and has, she's a stealth bomber. Boom, there you go. Hello, is that you, David Seymour? Boom, you know? That's how she goes, that's how she rolls. She has moved into um, podcasts, and and she's had to put. You've worked with some challenging guests. Challenging. Challenging, mm -hmm. and she is always dignified. Um, and she has been um, involved in documentary making with the New Zealand uh, Land Wars, which is really incredibly important. And she's done some writing in terms of setting up courses for a new cohort of Maori reporters that are coming into the industry. So um, I'm really delighted that she's agreed to come along here today. So put your hands together for Mihi Ngārangi. <laughs> I, I came in with my mum. Mum goes, oh, isn't she beautiful? She's just gorgeous. <laughs> I said, yes, mum, she is. She is. Absolutely. Now, to my right, another beauty. This one's from uh, Kaitahu. And uh, she's a reporter for TVNZ's um, Sunday, being formerly of 2020, and also co-hosts Marae with Scotty Morrison, our bestie. Um, she, she's trained in journalism like Mihi, and she's a writer. She's written books around Matariki. I, I would, when I first started in journalism a couple of years ago, I was like really nervous, major imposter syndrome, you know, oh God. And do you know, can you believe it? The first interview they gave me, Jacinda Ardern. I said, what the heck? What the heck? They said, well, you'll be right if you survive that. Anyway, I'd, I'd message um, Miriam. I said, oh. She goes, she was just, gave me great advice. So I really appreciate that. So please put your hands together for Miriam. It, it wasn't just uh, an interview. It was a half an hour. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do that. Great job. You're doing oh great my God! Job. When they get to the numbers, that's when I zone out. But anyway, thank you very much for that. Thank you for, thank you for your say, tips. You were my first interview ever was in my career. God, was I okay? Yeah, you were because you taught me. So she she came to Canterbury University where I was working for student radio, and I was terrified because this was Moana Maniapoto, and I listened to her music all the time and. And here she comes along to do this interview with me, and she was so chilled. And then she's like, hey, I'll just give you this tip. Hold your microphone cord like this, and then it won't bang and make noise. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, gee, oh, kia ora, kia ora. 
Now, the big major difference between our next guest and the three of us is that his name starts with D. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Dale Husband has got the best voice, and he works, um, he's working at Ngāwharewa at Wātea Radio, but also I met him when we worked together at Aotearoa Radio back in the day when there was, um, uh, God, who was there? Um, who was doing breakfast? Armandin. Jay Langaya. Jay Langaya and Tim Weta Morrison. Morrison. Yeah. God, I always remember when Jay would, uh, Tim would say something, tease something with Jay, and then the other one would start sulking, and those were great days, though, eh? They were beautiful. <laughs> beautiful days. Sid Jackson, Liberation yeah. Talkback. Yeah, Sid and yeah. Tommy used to do um, sort of his funky George FM beats on there as well, so there have been a lot of good people along the way. And I think, like the minister, current minister of broadcasting, he used to come around. He used to come to the radio, and he'd go, "Why doesn't anyone do any sports? Why will next minute it's got a job there doing sports? Do you remember that? Willie Jackson on sports. Willie Jackson on sports. Uh, never, uh. never stopped talking after that. Honestly. So, so Dale has been at uh, Wati and and is also like myself a trustee of. Um, Mana Trust, which produces e-tangata, which we're very proud to be associated with. Thanks, Mana. With, uh, is Gary here tonight? Gary Wilson or Tapu Mesa? And Connie? Um, oh, hello. We love e-tangata. It's a very important platform, and we've learned a lot from writing, haven't we? Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we yeah. have. Nice to see you, Connie. Yeah, so oh. I, I just wanted to start off by asking um, the, the question that I'm really interested in is... Is it possible to be fair, balanced, and accurate? It, it reminds me of a, um, uh, I guess, but when you're looking at the context, Moana Jackson used to always say, you can't have justice in an unjust society. You know, that, that's always the kind of the big challenge. So, um, I'm going to go to you first, Mahi. Like, like, you've been in journalism for quite a long time. How does that sit with you, the fair, balanced, and accurate thing? Um... Well, you have to be it, <laughs> otherwise someone will take you to the BSA or the Press Association. Oh, I, yeah. um, I think as we evolve and grow ourselves, um, you know, 27 years ago I was a completely different person, kind of, you know, just trying to work out actually myself. <laughs> and so, you know, the kinds of stories you'd, you'd do back then, the newsrooms are so different. There was just no opportunity for you to kind of push, in particular in the mainstream, push outside of... Um, kind of like white male parkia kind of views on things. So it's, it was just a kind of waiting game. But now, you know, we are. We, we are pushing right out, pushing um, the boat right out in terms of um, fair balance and accuracy. I, I was thinking of a story that we did a couple of years back with a young woman who was dying of cervical cancer and her partner was in jail and she just wanted him to get home. You yeah, know, some of the yeah. things that we, we did, we just rang straight to the minister's office and things like that because we just couldn't get through, you know. So it is like a battle with the agencies, comms people all the time. And I think when you're Māori, they, sometimes they say to you, are you an advocate or a journalist? And I'm like, both. Because, you know, these people have never had anyone to advocate for them. So as a journalist, answer my questions, but I'm going to advocate for this person because there's no one else to do it. So, and people have kind of accepted that now. I mean, some people don't agree with it and they think that we're, do we're not really within the bounds of journalism, but I don't, there's no other way to do it. We have to tell these stories. So, Miriam, sometimes, I mean, 
we're reporting on stories that mainstream media has traditionally not wanted to touch mm. or not interested in, or they have a particular <coughs> bent. Like I think that you were writing that he wants, um, you know, it's kind of gangs and scandals and fraud and drama. Um, how, what, what changes have you seen in your career over oh, the years? Ma massive, massive changes, particularly in the last few years. Um, so I started at TVNZ 20 years ago, and it was a whole, it was a, it was a different beast to what it is now. Completely different. Um, you know, I remember it was like being in the Wild West. <laughs> you know, you're sort of constantly trying to shoot your way through things. And, um, you know, if I, if I pitched a Māori story back in the day, it was not unusual to be asked, and I was asked the specific question um, once, um, well, has this person been in, in prison? And I was like, no, no, it's a good story. It's a good news story about, you know, these achievements. Yeah, well, but what have they been in Borstal? You know, have they, what's been the terrible thing that's, that, no, I'm 100% serious. Um, you know, being asked not to court it or Māori too much because um, viewers are turning off. And now, now TVNZ's like, we don't care. If you're not down with this, don't watch us. It's so different to how it used to be, you know. And, and as, I say, as I say, it's only just really had this big revolution in probably the last handful, five years or so, mm -hmm. I'd say. But yeah, it was a really hard place to survive in. I guess the editorialising bit is the interesting bit. If you're working in a Pākehā space, um, or even if you're working in a Māori space and you're trying to build relationships with Pākehā platforms, mm. like we get asked, you know, can we have this... Uh, we, you know, we do stories and some platforms will go, we quite like that story, um, but we don't, we're well, going, but this story, this, want that this, one. this is a story, no. no, oh, you like that one, so it's, it's about sharing power as opposed to just content sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, I was just looking over to Dale thinking it's such a beautiful thing to go into Māori broadcasting for a break, you know, because you become the boss of your own mm. airwaves and... Um, when you think about some of the interviews that Dale does in the morning, it's just beautiful. You know, there's no time constraints mostly, eh, what you're doing. Uh, and it's such a different space to where you are in mainstream. But, um, yeah. The sharing power as opposed to... Well, we're not... Because well, yeah, you, uh, you're a Where I've worked has it's, it's only been in Māori media, yeah. to be honest. And so, you know, I was nev I've never been governed by ratings, and that might sound strange. But, um, you know, each day I just try and satisfy myself that the work I'm doing is purposeful, that I'm allowing our people to get on stage and to tell our stories. And I have heard many examples of people saying, well, who cares? Well, we care. And sometimes to disrupt, you just need to break the status quo. And if we're constantly portrayed as being those who are in trouble or sensationalised or going crook or, or wrong, when do we get the good stories through? And... You know, my attitude is even people whose opinions I disagree with, I'll be courteous to them and allow them to sure. uh, to have their time in the sun, so to speak, because nothing goes faster through the airways than bullshit and hype. And so, you know, they, and people can reveal themselves, um, you know, even though you're being ve very reveal generous in, 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 in time. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, I really, um, I mean, I would never have thought of myself as a disruptor, but I think Anne or whoever chose the title because... Me, me. Oh, you did not, my. <laughs> and may I also say how in awe I am of Moana. I've been, <laughs> I've been one of her mates for a long, long time. <laughs> but look, today, for the first time I arrived here, and she's bought a guitar. Like, she's a lawyer, she can sing, oh, she's a current affairs Moving on, host. moving on. Only made, only made one mistake in her life, but we're not here to talk about Willie Jackson. Oh, sure <laughs> you made a mistake. You may be ejected from the chamber. You made a mistake by getting four interviewers onto the stage yeah, no. at once. 
I think no, so, so, Dale, when you're talking about your, your mahi over at the radio station, you're actually able to um, present a diversity of Māori voice, aren't yeah. you? Like, we, we don't all think the same. Mm. And that's what, that's what Wātea and other iwi radio are able to do. Yeah, and um, sometimes they're quite gentle interviews. They're not seeking to be hard-hitting news, breaking news. They're inviting young people to speak, um, uh, you know, interesting perspectives, because we're on the move in all the fronts, education and scientific and technological and creative. You know, our people are in an unstoppable mode at the moment. And when you couple in the real Māori uh, that's been infiltrating our land, there's a really exciting period that we're witnessing here. And we've got young bilingual uh, tech-savvy people who are really telling our stories in ways that weren't possible before. But I must pay tribute to, um, well, one's just died, and, and Toby mm. Curtis. You know, Toby asked to push things through, and, and, and boy, my, but when I first arrived at Aotearoa Radio, what intrigued me, this was a time before computers, and they had those, um, uh, those machines, like, not a fax machine, but it was like a thing, went telex, like that. And I was into this thing, Listen to the thing because it used to pump out sheets of paper with stories on it, and I go into the newsroom and it's going, tick, 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 tick. and then right next to it was a boil-up pot going. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I want to work at that place. <laughs> I was thinking too of Derek Worcester. Yeah. yeah. Would you have worked with him? Yep. Both of you. Oh. Yeah, I worked yeah. with Derek. Uh, yeah. He was the producer of Marae at the time, and so Mokotini and I were. And my Hinekoro were the last interns into after Kimi here, and then that stopped, and we might have been the last ones there. So, um, my and I were still on to Karere. Moko went over to Marae, she was the presenter there, and Derek was there forever. He was brilliant. You know, I think about um, he used to do um, fashion shows and Miss New. Yeah, he was, he was a Miss fantastic um, director. He did my first music video. Yeah. He just said to me and my mate, Hey, you should have a video. I mean, I don't think there were videos. And he said, "Just." I said, what does that mean? He says, just come in here and then just lip sync. We didn't even know what that meant. So, you know. <laughs> and then he took the thing. And next minute we got a music video. He was very, Yeah, he very was a disruptor astute. in his own way. Yeah. In his own way, he was a disruptor. He had, you know, he expected excellence from everyone who worked with him. So everyone had to go and do, you know, learn how to talk and how to... Um, you know, structure your stories and things like that. He was he was tough. What boss. do you mean, learn how to talk? Mm. Well, because you know, lots of people came and they were real Maori speakers first, um, and so you have to learn how to be, have a broadcast voice. You know, not everyone was born like Dale. <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> Moana was saying voice. she she got sent for elocution lessons oh, and she went to our little radio. We all hey. did. Yeah. They said you sound like Karen Hay. I said cool. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You know, and then and then um uh and I was just saying to Dale that Timoeta and Jay used to the guy that used to, you know, he was sort of a very RNZ dude and he used to sit in this room with a window and I'd see Tim and Jay crawling across the floor. I said, What are you doing? They where do I need bloody lessons? Um uh, but you know, they were trying to make us sound the RP. Back yeah, in the day you had yeah. to have lessons because you had to sound like um you know tvnz or rnz broadcast that's changed a wee bit now because because we're making it change but we're you said it you change. had to have lessons yeah because they said i sounded too maori what, 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 
your voice is beautiful. Did you ever have to have lessons? Uh, my mother forced us to go to speech and drama. All Did five you? of us had to go to speech and drama right through high school. So, um, so once I got to, <laughs> once I got to TVNZ or into broadcasting, actually, it wasn't an issue. But I've always railed against that. I hate that people have to go and have it. Well, I don't think they do anymore. But mm. that that people were expected to lose their Maori accent. Mm. It was just to me just so probably intensely that, offensive, and it locked so yeah. many of us out. And yeah. probably that New Zealand accent. Like yeah. Sharon. Yeah, and yeah. the New Zealand accent. Yeah, so many of us know about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's got a plum job now. She's all good, yeah, hey? She's good. <laughs> she's she's all right. She's choice. Uh, she, she's, she's awesome. Karen Hayes, one of, one of my favourites. Uh, she's just got a lovely rapport with her guests. And I'm pleased you mentioned your mum because I'd like to mention your mum. Mine's mum Bernie's in here somewhere. Where are you, Bernie? Oh, she'll shrink. Up. Where are you? We need to congratulate <laughs> mums. Yeah, she is. Where are you, Bernie? She's just a little... Don't, she'll freak out. <laughs> oh, hi. Okay. <laughs> hey, well, this Dale, did you have to have lessons? Oh, yes. Because <laughs> you do all those flash um, sports no, no, well, things. In, in fourth form, I joined the typing class because that's where the girls were. Um, <laughs> oh. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. I don't know. I don't know really. No, I've always been um, conscious of diction. He's got a great voice. Hey, yeah, great. Conscious of diction. Yeah. And, um, uh, that's just the way we roll. I, I, you know, I can cheer because he bros with the best of them. But mm. um, you know, when it when it comes to presenting a professional product on Maori radio, which we should all be proud of of what we're doing and the role we're playing, then uh, then I try to do that to the best I can. So yeah, you want to be understood. If that means to be, uh, you know, making sure to get your diction right and like if you talk to the PM, do you like do you focus more on? how your speech is coming out. Well, I've dropped on a riffic, so I don't use them at all. And yeah. so, you know, she's just sent it to me. And oh, I even yeah. spoke to um, to that Canadian visitor, the Minister yeah. of Indigenous Studies, and she understood what I said, because I said, hey, we don't do honorifics mm. here. And so, be all right if I call you Patty. And she <laughs> says, actually, that's what they call me in Northern Ontario too, so I'd much prefer it. Yeah. I hate all that ponchy shit. And everyone <laughs> goes, oh, well, Honestly. Yes, sir, Dale. I, think, I, I honestly think that in during you know during that nineties period, what was actually happening is that Māori broadcasting was waking up and Māori journalism was really starting to come to the fore, and so that was a tool to keep people like us out of those newsrooms. I, and I honestly do because for years it was like, no, she won't get the job. You know, it, other people people were coming through journalism school and just getting jobs, I don't want to say the names, but they were like becoming presenters. Say the names, go on, say the names. Say the names, say the names. No, because they'll probably sue me. But anyway, I think that that was just this time that our newsrooms were like, I think they were realising, oh my gosh, we're going to have to have some of these people who come think through a think differently and see through a different lens in these newsrooms and it was it was um, frightening for them because they were going to have to start sharing the power. Mm. So that was kind of late 90s into the 2000s. It doesn't, it's not like that now because Mikey Sherman and Kiriama Wright and all those ones, they don't care about any of that. They didn't grow up worrying about that. They're just like straight up the guts. That, that's, how, that's how it happens in all sectors, yeah. eh? like in music now. I look at it and I think, well, look at this whole generation of young singers, it's completely normal for them to record in Māori. They don't have to worry about record shops. <laughs> Do they even exist anymore, you know? Everything's online, it's, it's quite incredible. Slow boat, I think your records are still in there. Music listeners too are, I mean, I, I really, 
I really enjoy hearing the, the established songs that our young people are enjoying themselves, Ita Del Māori, and then where he's done that. Yeah, it's different than when you were busting through that stuff, Moana. Mm. You know, you were really uh, one of the early advocates for our reo and took it but up then to you, a But, you know, stage. You, you're part of a pipeline, so there's Delvanius, there's Aotearoa, you know. You you're getting your music into mainstream. That was oh, your yeah. disrupting yeah. days at the very beginning. You were always an activist right back from those days and there weren't many of you you know so you it was a natural progression for you to come in anyway in back the seat. To you. Um, <laughs> so the, so just tell me where did you get your start going into journalism and why did you choose it why did you go into um just because i loved storytelling and yeah. and i and i've always written since in fact i found my old diaries the other day because i did a session here for a kids writing workshop and uh and i and the night before i just happened to come across these old diaries that my dad had given me uh, because from as young as I can remember, I would write stories, and they're the most ridiculous stories, you know, mostly including some little girl called Joni. And, um, uh, yeah, and so I, I think it was just a function of wanting to continue storytelling, and my sister convinced me to go to journalism school, and, um, and, so, and that's how it started. Yeah. yeah, telling stories. Yeah, just love telling stories, uh, you know. Um, I also grew up on the marae and being dragged around to hui by older members of my whanau, particularly my nana, and hearing people tell stories all the time. And every single, everywhere that we get, my mother was, my, both my parents were kind of revolutionaries in their circles as well, and they always had musos and Māori and hāngi going on at our house and huge numbers of whanau come. There were stories around me all the time mm -hmm. from every single angle. You know, Dale, uh, we've been to a, a number of tangi this year and, and, and some, you know, people that we know. I always... I'm amazed at how powerful tangihana are mm. for storytelling. And they're so entertaining. You know, you one minute you're crying, the next minute you're laughing your head off, the next minute there's a political challenge being thrown down, the next minute you're waiting for the, you know, the deceased to pop up and go, that's not quite right, <laughs> you know. It's just the most amazing theatre, isn't it? it? And it really is, and it's so, uh, it's so comforting, isn't it, that you've got days to sit, to do your crying, and to, as you say, share the uh, the wonderful, rich, intimate stories of family life, and it can be so helpful for us. Also, by the time we actually get to the to the nehu and the final day, we've we've celebrated a life. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a wonderful mm. uh, it's a wonderful cope up. We've got a lot to thank the Irish for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you cheeky fella. Um, how did you get into broadcasting? Yeah, well, you know. I grew up in a vocal quartet. He was. What was it called? The Family Affair, and so it's we were a, a we were a bang around. You know, we were shooped through up up kids. They were. Did you, you know, see them? All I knew. Of these sort of moves, oh, you know, with all of these. <laughs> we learned all these uh, sort of moves from a guy called Eddie Hegan and all of this sort of uh, stuff. <laughs> Cat and Hain, uh, Hat and Cane routine with my two brothers and sister, and so we went over to Oz for a while. And, and but when we had young families, there wasn't enough work to really carry that on, something else happened, I won't go into that. But anyway, we ended up back here in, uh, in New Zealand, and a mate of mine had been to broadcasting school, and um, uh, said you might like it, and I thought I'd be a rock jock, you know, hey, it's 90, come on in, it's 94.3, Dan Barstein, come on down, we've got some really big sounds coming, it's all happening out here, you know. And as we get older, well, we, we end up with lawnmowers and mortgages, and so we're more interested... <laughs> And then we're more interested in information. And so, you know, fortunately, uh, the radio station was able to accommodate that change. I've been proud to work in Māori media for 30 years. It's fed our kids. They're now, f yeah. thanks very much. But it's really Māori media that deserve the thanks. 
And a particular guy took me under his wing, and uh, he's had an influence on all of us. His name's Gary Wilson. Mm. He was with Mana Media. Him and Derek Fox set it up to try and address the imbalance of Māori storytelling and to present a professional, um, enjoyable read. Mana Magazine was, uh, was and, and can I just wonderful. mention that Gary Wilson is Pākehā and was um, working at Auckland Star when he looked around and he thought, something's not right here. Where's all the brown people? Yeah, exactly. And so he set up a course. I, I can't remember whether it was in Rotorua or Mutuko. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then there was this cohort of people. I think people like Mike, Mike McRoberts. I think it was MIT. Yeah. yeah. And so Barbara Driver and um, a whole bunch and came through there. And who's that guy, Shane Carter? Lisa Tell. Yeah, a whole bunch of people mm. went through it. Absolutely. And, uh, um, you know, he's still a wonderful man and he's still involved in Etangata and he's 85 and he doesn't get paid. <laughs> and um, He's an and, ally. And, and, you know, I was telling you about that, that style, that fast-paced style of delivery, which is the hallmark of a lot of broadcasters, youthful broadcasters. He says, put a bit of Alistair Cook into your style. So I went from, hey, it's 1994, come on in, we've got everything happening down here, to, I've been thinking a little bit. <laughs> I've been thinking a little bit about baseball. <laughs> and so I read Alistair Cook and I really liked it. And, you know, this guy was a broadcaster through to his 90s. And I looked at um, guys like Philip Sherry, Sinclair, um, Merv Smith. You know, and these guys were older men in, you know, 70s and 80s and still entertaining. And at the top of their craft, I thought, well, if I was a bricklayer, my back would be busted by the time I'm in my 50s. But if I'm a broadcaster, <laughs> I could actually maintain a focus and a mahi for many years after that. And to be honest with you guys, I, I sense that I'm doing, and I'm hoping that my best work's still to come. Because, oh, nice. because you've, got, you've seen more political cycles, you've seen more artists come and go, you've got more traction when it comes to evaluating music history. And so, you know, there's only one thing worse than getting old, and that's not getting old. And so we're rolling in, well, we're rolling in uh, fingers crossed to be able to contribute to this Māori muscle going forward in the broadcasting, writing, creative sector mm. for some years to come. And so um, oh you know, it's a great privilege to, to be involved. Oh Love boy. that Māori muscle. That's yeah, cool. yeah, Māori muscle. So how did you, why did you get into journalism? Um, probably similar stories that I had families that were just great storytellers Every and lots of people at our house. But I... Um, I always wanted to be a journalist. I remember saying to mum, what's that job? And she said, I think that's a journalist. And I was like, that's going to be me. Made tapes at home, you know, it's this o'clock and the wind's this and the rest of it. When I was about eight, I think mum still got them, they're embarrassing. But um, I had a really awesome couple of teachers, which was bizarre because I grew up in fielding. They were Māori teachers and they were just trainees. They were just passing by the school, but they were instrumental to us. Um, Irene Pifairangi and Kiri Whale, and they basically said, before you guys do anything, you have to go and learn your deal. If you don't wow. do that, it will you'll, you, know, you won't be able to truly do the things that you want to do. And so I went off to Ataarangi, shit myself. It was absolutely petrifying, you know, turning up there. Couldn't even really say my iwi properly and all those kinds of things. And um, had the most incredible teachers, um, um, Katarina Mataira and... Um, Pitiwai Manawaiti, Boirangi Hau. So really lucky. That was kind of the last couple of years before Atarangi finished and it turned into something else. And then um, while I was there, 
because I'm from the Waikato and it was in Waikato, I was hanging around with um, mostly dad's first cousins who are my age. So dad's, uh, his mum's the oldest of 14, so, you know, quite a big difference. And I just, the inequities in my life compared to their lives, because, you know, they're brown and poor, and I was like, this is just, you know, this is shit, and I'm going to tell these stories because no one else is going to tell them. And one cousin in particular, um, you know, just told me about the state abuse, and that's the beginning of my state abuse kind of interest because she'd been through like 15 homes, like raped and about maybe 12 of them, and you know, but she's still alive, she's still happy, she's satisfied with what she had, and I was like, this is incredible, and these stories need to be told, and yay, we're telling them now. Mm -hmm. And interesting, because Miriam was talking about the newsrooms back in the 2000s, because you know, I was in another newsroom and she was in one, Honestly, if a fax or something came in about a SIF story, we just would throw it in the bin. They'd throw it in the bin. No one was interested in them. They'd be like, oh no, we're not touching that. Oh God, because? you know. Oh, just too hard. You know, you're taking on the government. Um, can you trust the people that are trying to tell you these stories? And actually, it's it's such a problem that whole period because now we know what was going on and we were literally just had our ears closed as a nation mm. and so now we're starting to tell their stories not good enough and not fast enough and I don't think the government's actually listening uh, uh, well enough but um, at least they're being told and some of the work that you know Mel and Aaron Smell and other people are doing is just incredibly important. Yeah, now, um, Miriam, I know you did a story in the mid 2000s, around 2005 or something that was really important to you. Oh yeah, to yeah. A hospital. Can you tell me? Tell us. So about it that? was a, it was um, Porirua to a hospital, which was uh, so there was Lake Alice. It was, it was a very similar story at Porirua to a hospital, and so uh, this was a story I had to fight for because I was a young journo on Sunday at the time, and this was seen as a big story. And I remember the producer saying, "Are you ready for this?" And I was like, "Well, do you think I'm ready for this?" <laughs> <laughs> I can like, hear the music. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, then you better do it. So um, so I went off and did that, and I, it was such a growing up of me as a journalist. Like, it was, you know, I'd grown up in prisons because my mother was a... Both my parents were prison chaplains, and my mother would take us to her, um, to her services every Sunday out at Christchurch Women's Prison. So the environment wasn't a surprise to me, but the fact that the people that were victims of this, that they were ch actually children as young as eight... Um, and they were put into put into a hospital alongside, you know, adult, seriously mentally unwell people, and they were expected to survive. And I mentioned the Wild West earlier, and this was truly the Wild West, where children had to grow up in a mental institution, not because there was anything wrong with them, but because there weren't enough residential beds for them. There weren't places that were uh, there weren't enough beds out in the community mm. for them to go to. So the government said, into the. Uh, mental institution they go and some of them stayed there for years and m so many of them ended up in trouble with the law m so many of them were Maori I'll never forget an eight-year-old boy um, the story of an eight-year-old boy I met him as an adult his dearest wish in life having had this long petty um, long uh, knock sheet of petty crime nothing very serious but it had kept him in and out of prison uh, through his youth and then as a father and a husband he said, all I want is to have that record wiped because I did not create the environment for me to commit these crimes. That was My life was stolen from me and is continuing to be stolen because I can't buy a house and I can't get insurance. Mm. 
And uh, so, yeah, I've never forgotten that story. Just the idea as well that there were children there that could not name one person that loved them mm. in the world. And I came from a big, wide, loving whānau. And to meet particularly um, these Māori uh, patients that couldn't name one person that they knew loved them. What was the impact of that story? What was the response to that story, can you remember? Uh, yeah, there, I mean, there was, it, it created a stir because it was good. Fi finally, Porirua Hospital was on the map, um, having, you know, um, not been, those stories hadn't been told before. Um, so it did have some impact, but, but it ha didn't have enough because, look, mm. we're still here yeah. mm. and we're, st we're in a Royal Commission of Inquiry. I mean, really? Mm. I did that story freaking 20 <coughs> years ago. Yeah. You know, now, we're getting um, mad now. <laughs> <coughs> now, Dale, one of the stories that you wrote for Itangata that was really moving uh, was around Ricky Houghton, who died this year. Mm. A lovely man. And I'm thinking of that when I hear Miriam and Mihi talk about the story. Can you just share with people um, a little yeah, bit I'd of Yeah, I'd like Ricky's? to, because our mate yeah. Ricky has, has just died. I don't, don't think he made 60. But um, before I do, today I interviewed Tara Bakahi. And uh, I had uh, calls to go into a prison. I've only been into prison one day of my life, and th I wasn't sent there. I was in there. To, uh, Came out. I was in there. <laughs> and, you know, Moana, um, sort of the reality of it, the harshness of it, the fact that so many of our people were in there. When I got home, I just felt, I just felt washed out and um, had, sort of had to shower up. Uh, and I knew that Tara Bakahi, uh, who's made some wonderful films, very creative guy, that he too had been working in the prisons um, with Jim Moriarty's theatre program. So in the course of our quarter, and this is an example of how if you allow our, uh, the guests that you're talking to, and I do most of my interviews on phone, so we don't have the luxury of that, uh, can't we? Um, I said to him, you know, when I d went into a prison for a day, it had a, quite a profound impact on me. He said, how did you find it, doing theatre work inside? And he says, you know... Um, I spent my 20th birthday in Christchurch Women's Prison and had six, there were nine lifers in there, had six of them sing me happy birthday. Oh. Do you know what I mean? These are yeah. women doing life sentences for what effectively, as he saw it, um, men had done to them yeah. and their kids. Mm. And here they were with the, the gracious attitude to sing a kid happy birthday even though they're incarcerated for life. So just as an example of, of the richness of the corridor, the intimacy that people are willing to share, uh, it just blows me away to be honest. And um, if somebody asked me to tell my life story, I'd hesitate because you can't talk of your own life without in incorporating others. There's only been two people that I've conducted an Itangata interview with who have subsequently said, oh, listen, I'm pulling out. One was Mike Smith, and the other was Myla Jackson. Mm. And for those very reasons, <coughs> the story that I have is not just mine. Mm. And so I'm, even though I've shared that with you, on second thoughts, oh. no thanks. Now getting I back had to go so hard on Myla Jackson to get that story, you know, to interview him. Because he's like, no, I don't want to... He'll talk forever about the kaupapa. And, and uh, no, it's not about me. I don't want to talk about me, uh, you know. Yeah. And I uh, oh, will talk about constitutional transformation and, you know, decolonisation. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I love those topics. But <laughs> what about, you know, you, you growing up <laughs> and all that? And then he go, oh, it's not about me. And so then I had to do, this is how I got him. It's, got about, him. <laughs> it's about the co-papa. Sure. Mm. 
about the co-papa. Same with Sid Jackson. It's about the co-papa. Now, if you if if you let me interview and we tease this all out, then people will understand the co-papa, and that was mm. the only way that he would he would agree. You used to know. be Moana Jackson, didn't you? No, I never. Okay, okay, no, fair enough. <laughs> you're you're bordering <laughs> on annoying. Uh, I'm <laughs> Uh, okay, um, could you go okay. back to? Could you go back? I was going to tell you a Ricky Houghton story that <laughs> yes, actually marries up to this the, one. So we did uh, Ngā Morihu about six years ago, where we brought a whole lot of you know men who'd been in state abuse, and they spoke for the first time. There was this one guy, Quentin Tufangai, and he turned up. Like we didn't know if it was going to work, and then I was my mum's counsellor. And I told her what I'd done, and she was like, shut up, mate, you can't just do that. And I was like, but there's no other way, because this is a Māori thing, this is how we're going to do it. And she's like, oh my God, you know, anyway. So they all turn up, you know, all puffing on their cigarettes outside, you know, like they're about to tell their, crack open the story that they've never told. Qu Quentin hadn't even told his wife he was coming, he hadn't even told his wife what had happened to him. He was telling a TV for the first time this story. So that freaked me out a wee bit, but you know, so they all told their story, they felt great, and then I knew that the after care was going to be huge, and we had a really big team to look after them. Quentin went back to Kaikohe, um, lost the plot, all, you know, can of wounds kind of thing, it all mm. couldn't work with the trauma. Went AWOL, his wife was ringing me up, oh my, sh you know, oh my God, what's happening, I'm scared he's going to get in trouble with the law, you know, because he's got a rap sheet and the rest of it. Rang Ricky at two o'clock in the morning, and I was like, hey, and he's like, hey, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I've got a really big favour. I was like, I've just got this guy, you know, I told him what had happened, he was like, I said, he's kind of lost it, and I'm just really worried, and he's down at the police station, I need someone to go and pick him up, and he was like, you've rung the right person, Mahi, he goes, because there's no one crazier than me. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, you know, I've had the electric shock system, uh, stuff and he goes and you know I've been to all of those places he goes and I he goes oh he goes I'm gonna go and get him right now he went and got him he looked after him for a month he put him into the hostel up in um, Kaitaia for men yeah. he just he saved gorgeous. the whole family for nothing yeah for nothing. gorgeous man and I learned something you know from your story that you wrote about yeah um, I, I was amazed I've always liked Ricky he's got a real uh, real um, beautiful narco and uh, he'd sort of modelled, because he'd been out west of the Waipadeta, and he modelled uh, how you could organise a trust be, mm. and get things done. Mm. Uh, and so they've had emergency housing. Um, guys who get kicked out of their houses up in the north, they'd have nowhere to go, so he set up little units so they, they had a place, rather than going to, to jail, where they could cool down. He was very thoughtful like that. And um, uh, Ricky was 12, but he looked like he was 18. And so he was blamed for everything that went on. And as you've touched on too, he ended up doing a lot of, um, uh, sadly, you know, in and out of boys' homes and the like. So, like I say, he was 12 and he, he just, in the course of the, the corridor, he told me how, um, you know, he'd been kicked out of the classroom and he's wandering around the school a little bit aimlessly. And, uh, and, and a girl pokes her head out the window and says, hey, want us gone? And he says, oh, yes, please. And he says, and she's still my wife. Aww. Isn't that gorgeous? Oh. You know, he's a big bloke and he had a bung eye and that ain't, didn't he? It's a bit, you know, it was, it was no oil painting, Ricky. <laughs> but, you know, but you know, I think I think the other beautiful thing was he he his mum and dad loved him. And he and it was you know, I remember in your story 
his mum, you know, had matakiti and stuff like that, and so she was kind of diagnosed as, you know, not fit to look, look after him. Uh, so he, he came from a very loving family, and he just ended up in that sort of a pipeline. Um, and then he just he just was such had such a big heart. He was able to. No, he, he ended up being rescued, didn't he? Mm. Mm-hmm. He ended up having other people come in, and he ended up with um, Jim Henaren and his wife, didn't he? Yeah, and another thing about, you know, these are big burly men, you know, r- rough and tough, but nowadays we're okay to say to each other, mm. love you, bro, and he said it to Moana, and he died a few days later when she spoke with him. Mm. And well, I he found just do that, eh? I just found, found the same with Mike King and... And others on air, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've been saying love you boys to my boys since they were little, but maybe it's a backlash from the New Zealand where it wasn't done. Mm. My old man never said it to me, and I guess his old man never said it to him. Mm. But this is why we need to change. We need to be more real. We need to embrace each other and ask how you're doing, talk about mental health, all of this stuff. And uh, you know, as examples of that on air, if you see a big burly gorilla like him, um, you know, come out and finish off his corridor as he did to you when he finished talking with you, Moana, and saying that, oh, I love you. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's a, a sign of the times, sign of the changes, and uh, yeah. it's a good thing. I think that one of, the di- one of the really important things about Māori broadcasting and the way that we do things different is that there is a lot of aftercare, mm. and so, you know, yeah, you, totally. all you have is your reputation and your relationship, and relationships are everything. They are for, you know, all journalists, obviously, but they're a little bit different when you're Māori, so, you know, you can tell the toughest story or, you know, talk to the head of the mongrel mob or whatever for whatever reason, you, but you always maintain a relationship. Totally. I mean, you don't go and hang out with them and have Christmas and stuff with them, but you have a relationship <laughs> and they know you and it's kind of like, I see you, yeah, I see you, we respect each other. For the Ricky Haltons, there's lots of stuff that you do out that don't make your story mm. because they're not for the story, but they're just for the important parts that go with it. Yeah, and I think it's about that um, building of trust, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so um, there is a different style of interviewing. I've, I've noticed that uh, it's been commented on that, you know, um, Māori when interviewing, or oh, other people, you, you don't sort of like hammer in like... I mean, what were you taught? What were you taught in terms of how you approach an interview? Honestly, the reason that I... I am not like I am on air, am I? I'm not quiet. The reason I'm quiet is because Pākehā do not tolerate me to be like Kim Hill. That's the truth, and I use that as an example because Kim gets away with anything and and because no one questions her, but when you're Māori, I think you have to have a different way of doing things. Well, that's what I find. Otherwise, I get, you know, she's aggressive or she's angry. She needs to go and sort her stuff out because I can't... Yeah, so, so people will say, oh, she's the smiling assassin. That's just a technique that I've learned so I don't get shit. How do you get honestly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you and then you get now in these weird cove um conspiratorial times you get called a coop up or a sellout because you're like you know, you you're not yeah. siding with all the anti vaxxers and all that carry on. If you had that I don't look at social media <laughs> honestly. I've not I've not done it. I don't know what people say because I don't care about what they say about me anymore. And and I also don't think it's useful for me to be going out and saying, 
X said Y about me and, you know, kind of, mm. I just think, oh, just I, don't read it. Don't when go I there. first started, I was thinking, I was like watching these things and saying to my son, oh, my God. I'm, and he goes, step back from the phone, step back from the yeah. phone. Yeah. Do not reply, do not reply. You know, it's like. I don't know I how to access that, the yeah? TVNZ logs. I've never tried to find out what people say yeah. because I know that uh, the one bad thing, <laughs> yeah, probably, but the one bad thing that I might see, the first bad thing that I'll see is the thing that will stick with me and there might be five really nice comments in one really bad one and I'll be like, Bleh, you know, and ignore all the nice stuff. So, um, but I also think, how is it useful? You know, the good stuff will give it you the bad head, the bad stuff, or big head rather, and the bad stuff will crush your soul. Yeah. Dale, have you had um, uh, aunties and all that ring up and abuse you and say you no, are unfair they love too. him. Um, no, and, and I'm a no, bit like many others too. I, I'm not a social media guy. I, I never have been, and um, uh, that's okay. I know that people comment negatively about the things I do, but it's it's my boys who want to bash them, not me. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, no, no, that's that's that sort of comes with the territory. But um, uh, you know, I try and avoid that. You know, we've done fine work with a pen and pencil, uh, and I still use a pen and and paper and. While computers are, are fine, you know, sometimes I question whether we have improved, whether this technology has improved our, the way we uh, relate to, to each other. So just um, as far as social media is concerned, I was sort of, I've just kept away from it. Mm. Um, am I naive or dinosaur? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I worry about that I'm a dinosaur too because no. <laughs> I don't get into it either. But I was going to say with um, Sunday, when I first came on to Marae, because you were asking about the different approach, I... Um, took my normal interviewing approach onto Marae. What's your normal interviewing approach? Well, just very straight. So, um, I think. What you does know. that mean, though? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't try and make friends with people. I'm happy to challenge them. Um, but I'm also, I'll, you know, respond to whatever the energy that's brought to the table. Um, but I try no, not to no get emotional. Talk? No you know. small talk at the front? Oh, well, yeah. No, no. They have small talk. But, um, but, I, but I don't try and make a song and dance out of things. But I just took a very, what I thought was my very normal, straight interviewing style to Marae. But um, I got a lot of flack and I was told, you know, I got, so this is when I started thinking, maybe I won't look at these comments. Um, but it was stuff like, oh, you're such a Pākehā Miriamma, um, the way you're approaching our people is too harsh and too aggressive and da-da-da-da. Um, and some of it, so I had to have this big reckoning with myself as an interviewer where I was like, ah, do I have to change my style for Marae? And then what I realised I needed to do was just chill out, you know, and just become more responsive to, to whatever, whoever was in front of me and remember that I am Māori and I can't sit down and reply a Pākehā um, framework to the way that I interview on Marae. And, I have to, and so there's, there's, a, there's a probably imperceptible, but there is a difference between the way that I interview um, now than when I did back then and I apply that in my, my mainstream work as well. Oh, yeah. And, and I try to not be as, I mean I know one style, but Minister you said this last week and uh, you're not answering the question Minister, you're not answering the question and that's just not my style mm. because you know these people are coming back next week, I want them to feel that they can air their views on our platform uh, and so, uh, you know, being having good manners and being polite has always been an important mm. side because manners maketh the man, you know. And so this sort of punchy style of aggressive interviewing just doesn't suit my personality. I'm inclined more to pose a question. Let them have the floor. Let our listeners decide if that guy's spinning yarns or not and effectively give them the rope to hang themselves with. But I'm not going to uh, dive in. And, of course, as... 
broadcasters, our role is to you know, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So it, it, it all sort of surfaces in the long run. And we're bit part players in the long game. We're trying to set the platform for those who will follow us so they can utilise the platforms that we've established on their behalf so they too can push towards change. And, you know, there's a feeling that we're heading in that direction. And so, you know, we're all taking that responsibility very seriously, whether it's print, yeah. programs, radio, whatever. You, you know, I'm just thinking, like, the, the first interview that I did that bamboozled me when I was working in radio was Winston Peters. Well, okay, yeah, so, so we're having a nice, I'd done my prep, I found the speech that he'd written that I thought was a load of rubbish, and I may have mentioned it in our interview, and he says, you will need to apologise to your listeners, Moana, because you're, yeah, that's wrong, that's incorrect, I said, no, it's not, no, it's not, and he goes, it is, you must apologise to your listeners now, I said, no, no, it's not, I said, I've got it here, I've got it here, and he said, and then we went to an air break, he goes, give me that thing, and he looked at it. <laughs> And then, you know, what we came back and he goes, I said, see, I told you I've got it. He goes, well, what I meant to say, what I really meant yeah. was, and I was totally bamboozled. Yeah. Who bamboozled you? No, Winston's definitely, which Winston are you going to get on yeah. that day? Everyone knows that. It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. So he can be charming and then other times he's just straight rude. Yeah. But Helen Clark used to be like that too. Yeah. If she was in the corner, she'd come out and she'd interview you and you'd be like, but I just want to say about, I think that Māori actually um, experts in conversation, you know, probably from the way that we've been raised and our tikanga and those kinds of things, because that style of um, interviewing that you're talking about, which is gotcha, gotcha, even in politics, even in the gallery, the Māori journos don't ask questions like that. Very few, if you look at Mikey Sherman, you know, they're very considered and they're very respectful as well, so people are allowed to, um, to answer and they give them time and space. I think we've got time for like two questions. Sorry, we're having a guest bag. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, has anyone, would, would anyone like to um, pose a question or two? Who's that? Where's that? Who's that? Kia ora. Kia ora. Anyone? Kia ora tefano. Uh, ko Simon Day, tako ingoa. He ori ahau ki Ngāti Hakairo. Tēnei te mihi matakuikui ki I work in the media and I was really thinking about what uh, Mariama just talked about, about the way... Entering Te Ao Māori changed her approach to the way she conducted her journalism. And I think, um, I think it was Matua Moana Jackson talked about how it's easier to train, train 100 Māori to be journalists than it is to train 100 Pākehā, to think, Pākehā journalists to think about what Te Ao Māori looks like. Mm -hmm. Except at the spin-off where I work, um, we've had this big influence of the tangata Māori on the way our Pākehā staff think about the way they treat their stories. And I was wondering, especially Mariama and Mihi, having worked in big mainstream organisations, because we know what a tool of colonisation the media has been, have you seen the way the broader staff think about how they tell stories change and the way you talk about the way Mikey thinks about gallery journalism different? Because, you know, I fucking hate that gotcha journalism that, to me still feels like a very colonial uh, tradition it of is. the way the media works. Okay, good. No, the off, um, you know, newsrooms are still mainly male, Pākehā, older, and that perspective is very strong. And you have to have, you know, the Mikey Shermans in there, like, 
she's a disruptor, man. And so, and, and all of those young Māori that, well, not even young Māori, Māori and Pacifica that are working in those spaces, they are gangster, you know, like they don't get a day's rest. It's, it's tough work in there. And we've worked in news and it's, you know, it's, so it, but it is changing slowly, not enough and not fast enough. Um, we've got those Tereto programs at the moment that are running and that's exactly that, that we are bringing Māori with a Māori lens rather than the other way around and we're teaching them journalism because actually the journalism's easier than teaching people how to be Māori. So I reckon in the next 10, 15 years, we're going to see a really massive change. Well, that's, that's my hope anyway. Up high. Well, time for one more question before um, Miriam and Mihi are going to do a duet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? This is true. That's very true. It, it is true. Yeah. Got some dance moves coming question. too. Yeah. That's what you do, eh, Dale? Well, just remember this. When I was in journalism in the 90s, everything that was a Māori story was some real bad bastard on the front page Gang. of the Dominion Post, a gangster and stuff like that. But now we don't have all those stories all the time. We have those still sometimes. But we have really amazing stories as well about Māori people doing fantastic things. And we might not even call them Māori. We'll just be yeah. like... This that cool guy sense. doing some scientific stuff. He's cool, yeah. and we might say he's from Ngati. We, we do something. have to remember that it, it, it has yeah, it hasn't changed enough because even uh, you remember those stories during lockdown. Mm. Maori are blocking their roads and blocking us out from coming. You know, and it was like, well, actually, Maori are protecting communities. communities yeah. You know, and so um, there's I still a lot, lot of communities. Of I think a lot of Parker communities welcomed that, yeah. Yeah. but the way it was being framed in some media platforms was like. You know, there's a bloody revolution going on here. Yeah. It's, it's like here, yeah. poor, poor. How many people have read the damn thing? I've read it, 104 pages. Well, that, the issue with that is about um, equity of platform. Mm. And so, you know, you've got Dale over there doing fantastic stuff. You've got Marai. You've got us over on the Hui and Moana there. But we're online, for God's sake. No one's giving us the 7 o'clock on the Sunday night. Well, you get that on the Sunday, but that's Sunday. the other hat. But, you know, she's when she's doing marae, she's in the deadlands again on Sunday morning. So it's about... Which is hilarious, because actually our online platforms, like Facebook our, and our Instagram following for Hui, marae, for yeah, our for, for, for yeah. um are huge. And bigger huge. often than the mainstream ones. Yeah, but we, we're not at the 6 o'clock. We don't get to do, you know, so our, the way that we frame stories, the way that we look at that story where we're protecting communities rather than blocking roads, we don't get to talk to the majority of Aotearoa. So that's the issue. We need to change that. Encouragingly, this afternoon, when I was having a Turkish coffee across the road, <laughs> I opened up the, my, my phone and there was a story of a 12-year-old girl who started a company making poi in Dunedin. Mm. And she's... 15 now, she's the CEO, always has been, and she's just, <laughs> she's just cut a deal to supply her poi through Countdown. Now, I mean, hey, that's, that's uh, not exactly a sensational and um, uh, you know, bad story, but they're filtering through slowly, yeah. and that's, that's where we're headed, I think. You know, it's not going to be all that sensational stuff that's been the hallmark of our coverage in years gone by. 
and you know, it sounds like we're kicking the parkour around. We've we'll, we'll all got parkour blood in us, all of us. Mm. Are we, Bertie? And um, <laughs> mine is mum. So it's not being critical. It's just observations about how we are evolving as a nation, mm. and the media, our literary uh, sector, and many other areas of influence are changing and we're rolling forward. And, and what I think is an encouraging way, there's work to be done, but you know, let's be a bit upbeat about where, where we've come so. from and, and where we're heading. And a bit of a shout out to our allies and champions. Mm. So we mentioned Gary Wilson, like on our team, we have um, Colin McRae and we mm. have um, Cameron, Cameron Bennett, Bennett. Mm. you know, and they lend their considerable skill to us they stay in their lane and they help us out when we need and they share their expertise. Um, and meanwhile, we've got a young, I've got, you know, young 25-year-olds in our team, which is just fantastic to have that generational thing going on, yeah. you know. So, um, I th I th I'm and, and just positive. before we go, may I also just uh, give a plug for uh, the 2022 Voyager Current Affairs Program of the Year. I oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Second time running. Thank you. <coughs> thank you. It was a real honour, and I do mean that. I do mean. No, okay. I'm going to try and play guitar. I usually have a very highly paid, talented guitarist with me, but should we get everyone to stand? Are no, you, we oh, have yes. To stand. Hey, this is a group thing. I'm going to sit because I can't stand and play. Oh, come on over here, then, Mahingarangi. <laughs> Yeah, we need We're going to have a do a great okay. song that was written <coughs> by a great New Zealand songwriter. And you might remember Tim Wera singing Rose it between too. two thorns. Join in, everyone. Come on. It's a TikTok moment. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I've been watching you. Baby, Baby I've been watching you. Watching everything you do. Come on. Watching everything you do. And I just can't, can't help believing. Someone else is stealing you away from me. I see it written in your eyes. Are you ready? Here we go now. With feeling. I see it written in your eyes. You confirm it. And you, you confirm, confirm it with your life. And the web. And the web that you weave to hold me. I would rather that you show me where you want to be. The big chorus where you all join. Is this where we move? Yeah. Do this? <laughs> Whoa, you're slipping away from me. What's me? Whoa, you're slipping away from me. And it's breaking me in two. Yeah, yeah. Watching you slipping away. Repeat that before we do a key change. And it's breaking me in two. You're so bossy. And, and it's, it's breaking me in two. Yeah, yeah. Watching you slipping away. Okay, we're going to try this key change. Jeepers. Ready? Baby, oh, hang on. Baby, I've been watching you. Baby, I've been watching you. Watching everything you do. Watching everything you do. And I just can't help but feel it. Someone else is stealing you away from me. Ten-part harmonies. Come on, people. 
I see it written in your eyes. And you confirm it with your lies. And the web you weave to hold me. And the web you weave to hold me. I would rather that you told me where you want to be. Big chorus now. Whoa, slipping away from me. What feeling? Whoa, slipping away from me. Why is that? Because you're breaking me into baby. Watching you slipping away. Last time, what feeling, please? Disrupt us! And it's breaking me into. Watching you slipping away. One more with a woody on the end. Yes. yes and it's, it's breaking, breaking me into. Watching you slipping away. Put your hands together. Being out of your Dale Husband. Mariama Tamo. Let's go out there and disrupt. Let's disrupt. Thank you. Kia ora, kia ora. Oh. oh, I forgot to say, sorry. P.S. P.S. Please go outside and meet and talk with Mariama and buy her book. Kia ora. And then go and disrupt. Kia You've been listening to a podcast from the 2022 Auckland Writers Festival Waituhi Otamaki. You can find a range of other festival talks, interviews and discussions on iTunes, SoundCloud and on our website, writersfestival.co.nz.